Hi, everybody. I'm Brian Wiggins. This is Misadventures in VO, a podcast about pursuing your bliss, pursuing your joy in your career. And on today's episode, I have nine lessons from jujitsu about pursuing joy. Let's just jump right on into it, shall we? So the other weekend, I participated, I competed in a Brazilian jiu-jitsu tournament. It was the first time that I'd done that in three years. The last time I competed was, I was 39, I was a purple belt, and I did, I think, second place in my two different divisions. This past weekend, if you were just to look at my record, you would say it was not successful because I lost every single match. And I actually wrote a, a, a blog post about that. You know, and the whole losing thing, it doesn't really matter because I had fun. I had a ton of fun at this tournament. It was great. But it really brought to mind a concept that I've been thinking about for a few years. And I've thought about trying to write a book about it, but I'm not sure if there's enough to write a book about it. I might just have to try one day. But there's a lot of things in Brazilian jiu-jitsu that I found actually are applicable to life as a whole. And I know that's going to sound kind of hokey. Oh, martial arts, and he knows things now. It's going to have these deep, inherent truths. And, well, yeah, it does. Uh, It really, really does. And I think you could find these truths, these maxims, these parallels in almost anything. You could find it in any sport. You could find it in any activity that you really dive deeply into. But I happen to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, so that's the one that we're going to do. I think if I were going to focus on rock climbing, I could probably say the same thing about rock climbing. But because I do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, I've been doing it for almost seven years now. I'm a brown belt. Uh, It's probably going to be within the next year, year and a half, that if if everything keeps moving in the right direction, that I will earn my black belt. It's kind of exciting. That's why we're going to do nine lessons from Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu about pursuing joy in life and in career. Here we go. Number one, slow is smooth, smooth is fast. Now, this is a saying that comes, I believe it's a military saying. Um, You hear it a lot. I remember hearing it on The Modern Family from uh, Phil Dumphy. But in the case of Jiu-Jitsu, Uh, So what we find is that moving fast is a way of hiding bad technique. Uh, We find a lot of, especially white belts when they're first starting, and even blue belts, and heck, throughout the ranks, when people are not sure of their technique, they will try to disguise that by moving faster, thinking that if they move fast enough that they will be able to overcome the fact that they don't have that technique down, that they don't know how to apply that submission or that escape or move into a better position. And the trouble with that technique, or the trouble, because it's not really a technique, but the trouble with that approach, with that philosophy, with that tactic is it will work as long as the person that you are sparring with or in jujitsu parlance rolling with, take note of that, I'm going to start using more of that vocabulary for you. There'll be a quiz at the end. But it will only work if that person does not have better technique than you. So you have these white belts, and they're just going a 1,000 miles an hour 
trying to overcome the fact that they just don't have the knowledge yet. They don't have the technique. And it's working with their other white belts until they start getting to maybe some more experienced white belts. And then it's not working as often. And then they might roll with one of the higher belts. And then it does not work at all. And they get smashed. They get destroyed. And we always tell them this. Whenever someone does this with me, we'll get done rolling and I'll tell them, slow down. I remember I had a uh, one of the guys that I was sparring with. He had started a few months before me and he was telling me the same thing. Slow down. Slow is smooth. Smooth is fast. It's more important to have better technique than it is to just try to move fast. All right, so how does this apply in real life, right? And now let me put a caveat on this. I have got zero authority here. I'm only telling you what I've done, what I've learned. Maybe it resonates with you. If it doesn't, that's fine. Throw it out. Ignore me. I Seriously, it's okay. As far as slow is smooth, smooth is fast. It's more important to have better technique in jiu-jitsu than it is just to be fast. The speed will get there. So this is about being patient, right? It's about building up muscle memory. And in what I've found is that, especially with this whole voiceover thing, is that I was trying to go a million miles a second when I first started. I needed to do it right now. I needed to jump in. I needed to build the booth. I needed to have my demos. I needed to start working. All of this was bad technique. I was really approaching the whole voiceover thing, the whole career switch thing from completely the wrong angle. And frankly, I'd probably been doing this whole move quickly thing so no one knows that I've got bad technique for, man, probably the better part of 15 years. And it did not lead to happiness because I was always worried about being found out. I had a major case of imposter syndrome. And I know that there's other folks out there that have the same feeling. I shouldn't be here. If I slow down, people will know. Well, a few things on that. You probably do belong there. Um, I have learned that I belong wherever it is that I am. Uh, This voiceover thing, I'm talking with my coach, and my coach has given me a lot of great feedback. He's telling me I've got a good voice for this. I've got good technique. I I mean, there's a lot of improvement I need to make because I am essentially a white belt when it comes to voiceover. The second point of this, though, is it's okay to slow down down. It's okay to take the time to build the technique, no matter where you are in your career. If you've gotten to a point and you're self-aware enough to know, you know what, I am lacking the skills to be as good as I can be right now and I need to stop for a second, go ahead and do it. Just go ahead and do it. That's what I had to do. I found that I had to just stop. I had to stop and I had to slow the whole process down. My booth wasn't right. I've done multiple podcasts about that. My booth was not right. My technique wasn't right. My demos, oh dear God, my demos. You don't self-produce your own demos. And I did, and they were terrible, and I took them down because it was like, oh God, I don't want to get, I don't want someone hearing that that shouldn't be hearing that just yet. I wasn't ready. And you know what? If anyone did actually have an opinion about it, about, oh, well, you slowed down and now all of a sudden we know that you're not bad. You know what? You know what? I could not give a shit about what those people think, if they do have that opinion at all. Because all that matters, at least to me, is that I am pursuing my joy. And if it's going to take me longer, then it's going to take me longer. And I know that if I slow it down and I work on the technique and I get it down right, that I will see the long-term gains on that. 
Slow is smooth. Smooth is fast. So to bring it back to the whole jujitsu thing, as I've built up my muscle memory, as I've learned how to properly do these arm bars, to do these different movements, uh, passing people's guard, takedowns, all of these things, as I've gotten better at them because I've focused on the technique, I've gotten faster at it. And it's faster with the good technique, which is nearly unstoppable. I watched my coach last night just practically break dance on a white belt last night. And it was, it was, it was kind of funny, but it was amazing because the guy's been doing it for so long and he's got the motions down that he can move that quickly, but have it be perfect technique. So the first point here, slow is smooth, smooth is fast. If you're trying to pursue some kind of joy, if you're trying to pursue a different career and it's going to be completely different, or even if you're in the midst of a career that you really want to be in, but you've realized, wait a minute, I'm starting to outpace myself. It's okay to slow down and focus on the technique. Point number two. Now, this is something that I started saying to the people that I was coaching probably about two or three years ago. And it just sort of hit me one day as a really great piece of foundational jujitsu advice as to how the whole process works. What do I have? What do I need? What do they have? What do they need? Now, in jujitsu, it really is about like problem solving. It's about this chess match where the checkmate is me being able to, or the opponent, my opponent, being able to apply a submission that I cannot escape out of. And that's the checkmate, right? That's when the match ends. And the basic part of that is breaking down the process. And the really best, one of the guys that I've trained with, uh, this guy, Danny Gonzalez, who is unbelievably smart, especially when it comes to jujitsu. He's a very uh, intellectual, very intellectually curious person, a very insightful person, but he has applied that to his jujitsu. And it's amazing to watch him break down a jujitsu match, a jujitsu when he's sparring with someone, when he's rolling with someone. And it really is a chess match with him. He's seen the end game and he's basically brought it down the way that a chess master would. And it really comes down to what do I have and what do I need in order to get my to my submission, to advance my position, to get to the next step. And it's looking at what, do, what does my opponent have and what do they need and taking those things away. Because it's not just me moving around, right? The other person has their own game and I have to neutralize that game whilst also Im improving my own or advancing my own. So it's knowing what they need and taking that away from them, taking those opportunities away from them, and knowing what I need and trying to get to that point. And it's also knowing what we have, what I have and what they have, and being able to make judgment calls and decisions based on all of that information. And obviously, the more advanced you get in jiu-jitsu, the easier that gets. You're able to break that down. The way you see these chess masters who are just able to move their pieces all over the board, and before you know it, they've got checkmate. It's amazing. Now... In jiu-jitsu, it's about winning and playing defense. If I'm on the defensive, I, need, I know what I need and i got to see what I have, but I'm trying to figure out what they have and what they need, and I'm trying to negate that so I can turn this from defense into offense. Now, in life, I almost want to reverse this. If, I, if I'm going to take this lesson and apply it to the rest of my life, is especially that second part. What do they have? What do they need? And I want to focus on that second part. This is something that I feel like I can take out of jujitsu. 
And instead of it being in jujitsu where I want to take that away from them in the rest of my life, I want to focus on what do they have, what do they need, and how do I help them get there? I really feel like if you focus on other people, what do they have, what do they need, and try to figure out how you can help them get those things that they need, that's going to pay back in spades, ultimately. Now, I don't want to ignore the first part of that. What do I have and what do I need? Well, that's part of the journey as well, right? If I know that I want to become a professional full-time voiceover actor, I need to know where I am and I need to know where I need to go. So that applies as well. What do I have? And it's being realistic about that. Right now, it is not realistic for me to say I am only going to do voiceover full-time. It just isn't. I'm not bringing enough money in. I don't have enough gigs yet. I don't have enough experience. I don't have enough knowledge and skill. My technique isn't good enough, going back to that first point, right? So I know I need to be very self-aware and very honest with myself. What do I have? I have a very basic level of technique and skill, enough that I can speak clearly. I can throw some emotion in there. But what do I need? I need to get better. I need to understand how to break down a script better. I need to understand how to modulate my voice, how to control that, how to be able to take direction from the director, from the client, and apply that to my delivery so that I'm giving them the product that they want. And even more important is, how do I do that in the audition? So that way when they hear me, it's like, yes, that's the guy. Now, I have learned a lot. I've had two coaching sessions with James Andrews, my narration coach. And in those two lessons, I feel like my knowledge has jumped up leaps and bounds. Finding out about all the things that I thought I was doing correctly. And he's like, no, you're doing this. You're adding pauses here. You shouldn't do that, blah, blah, blah. The other day we were going through some practice reads and I did a kind of like a little, not in a meltdown, but it was like a, God damn, why can't I get this? And he was like, no, stop it. Blah, 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 blah. Goodbye. And then he was just, and it was, it was actually kind of funny. Slow down. And he's yelling at me in, in a very positive way. And it was, but it, it, it's being very self-aware, right? What do I have? What do I need? I need to get better. So having that information for yourself and the people around you, having that awareness is going to do wonders for yourself. For yourself, for personally, at least for me, the what I've noticed is that because I'm taking the time to, to learn and be self-aware, I now have a much clearer picture to my end game. Just like in jiu-jitsu, if I'm aware of what I have and what I need, I know how I'm going to get to my submission. My submission in real life is going to be able to do this voiceover thing full-time, and I'm getting better at understanding what I have, and I've got a plan in place. And for what do they have? It's looking outward. And it's making me having more empathy for folks. And I think that's just making me feel better on a daily basis too, because I'm not approaching life from a negative standpoint. Oh, one other part of this. At the macro, if I focus only on myself, no one will roll with me. I've seen guys that do this. They come into jujitsu class and their only goal is to get that submission. They do the drills, okay, whatever. But then they come to the live, the, the live rolling part and they go for these submissions constantly and they just want to smash the people that they're rolling with. They don't want to give them any quarter. They're not, you know, it's, they're not fun to roll with. There's a guy that we have in our school that does this. He just smashes people 
and he just muscles everything and he's not using good technique and he won't bother to take risks and try to do different transitions and try to do different things because when we roll, his only goal is to get the submission and not be submitted. He doesn't want to lose. And people just don't want to roll with him anymore because he focuses only on himself. I stopped rolling with him because it's like I've stopped learning by rolling with him. And this is after we've had multiple conversations with him. He just insists. He's very, very selfish with this. And more and more people have said they don't want to roll with him anymore because this is his attitude towards it. It's the same thing in real life. If I focus only on myself at the expense of everyone else, is it a short-term tactic that will work? Yes. We see this all the time. In the short term, being incredibly selfish, being incredibly focused on myself and my goals to the exclusion of everyone else, I will have some wins. Yes. But in the long run, will I win? Fuck no. I will not win. There's no way for me to win at that. Because eventually I get found out. People don't want to do business with me. I had a boss at one of my previous employers, and their negotiation tactic was always to get one over on the other person every single time. And they said this. They, they loved it. They craved it. One of their favorite things was when they were able to get over on someone in a negotiation. And it led to some short-term wins because we ended up getting the better side of deals. But ultimately, ultimately, we lost because people stopped taking their phone calls because they knew when my boss was calling, it was only to get something. Because whenever they called and said, hey, can you do something for us? The answer was always no, unless we were getting something out of it. And in the long run, it didn't do us any good. It made all of our jobs harder. It made it more difficult to do our jobs. And ultimately, when they lost their job, they weren't able to just bounce back and get hired by someone because everyone knew what this person was like. So on the macro if we focus only on ourselves, the what do I have and what do I need, and exclude the what do they have and what do they need, that's going to be bad too. So it works, hey, that one actually works pretty well all over the board. Number three, tap out often. Now, we were just talking about the one guy at our school that doesn't like to tap out. And we've had multiple conversations with him. And it's really an ego thing when you come right down to it. Because every single person who has progressed at all in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu has tapped out. And they've tapped out multiple times. If you look at some of the greatest Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu practitioners in history. And the two that come to mind are Hickson Gracie, who's the son of Helio Gracie. And Hegan Machado, his cousin, who trained with Hickson Gracie in Brazil, you might actually tangentially know who Hegan is. You might actually tangentially know who Hickson is. Hickson Gracie was actually in the Ed Norton version of The Incredible Hulk and played his Aikido coach, of all things, but he was in that. And Hegan Machado is like the jiu-jitsu coach to the stars. He's Keanu Reeves' coach, got him ready for John Wick. You ha he's uh, training uh, Rob Pattinson for the new Batman movie. But I'm going to tell you this, that even though these guys are some, are two of the most impressive jiu-jitsu practitioners in the history of this sport, 
like undeniably, like two of the greatest practitioners, I will guarantee you that as they were learning, they tapped multiple times, hundreds if not thousands of times. In jiu-jitsu, if you don't have an attitude of humility, if you're not humble, you do not last. We're going to get to that in a little bit. I've actually got one of my points about that. But the point of it is, is that if you're not tapping, you're not learning. I have white belts that have tapped me out as a brown belt, and it does not bother me, even a little bit. It's about being humble. It's about realizing that no matter what, no matter how good I get, no matter how long, there's going to be people who are going to be better at me or at least might capitalize on a mistake that I make, and that's okay. So being able to tap out often teaches a certain level of humility that as I'm walking through life, it's like, you know what? Yeah, it's okay that I'm not the best. It's okay that I have a lot to learn. No matter how far I get, I'm always going to have a lot to learn. And I should never be walking around with an attitude of audacity, an attitude of I'm the best at this or whatever, because I don't know what I don't know, right? So tapping out often will teach you to be humble. Uh, In real life, it's, listen, understanding that sometimes I didn't get it right. That's okay. Tapping out is not the end of the world. So if I were to go to class tomorrow, and I were to start rolling with a white belt, and that white belt were to catch me in an armbar and force me to submit. It does not mean that I then have to turn in all of my jujitsu gear, burn my belt, and never practice again. It's not an end. It's only part of the process. It's part of the journey. And that's going to happen throughout life. Now, in the past, I didn't have that attitude. I couldn't lose. I didn't want to lose. If I lose, it meant I was a loser. And that's just simply not true. It's important to understand it's okay to tap out because when you tap out, you learn. It also means that you need to take chances. Now, I mentioned the guy before who no one likes to roll with anymore that I stopped rolling with because he just refuses to do anything different. He's got three submissions that he goes for. We know how to defend them all. He does, it's, just, it's just not fun. I'm not learning anymore. He is terrified of taking chances because he's worried if he takes a chance, does that mean he will tap out? The answer to that question is yes. If you take chances in life, if you take chances in jiu-jitsu and I try something new, there is a higher likelihood that I am going to get tapped out. Maybe not right away. It might be a few moves later. It might be a few minutes later. I don't know. But it also might turn out that, hey, I learned something new. Maybe I find a new way to move around, a new way to apply a submission, a new way to escape someone. And I might fail at it too, but that's okay. You need to take those chances. They're calculated risks. If I get tapped out in class, it means nothing. The rest of my life is exactly the same, except I might know something more. So it's the same thing in real life, taking chances. Now, I understand in certain situations, your boss may not let you take chances. I'm going to say from personal experience, if you're in a place where your boss will not let you take chances and there's harsh punishment for you taking chances, get the hell out of there. Run, run away, run, run for the hills, get out of there because that's going to just stagnate you. You're going to be terrified to try anything new and you're not going to be happy there. I have never worked someplace ever where taking chances and not being successful was punished was a good place. This might be something you think about. 
if you don't like the fact that you can't take chances, are you happy? Is it time to move on? And is the chance you should take the chance of doing something different? In my case, it was doing this voiceover thing. I was very, very scared about doing this. It's something I wanted to do. But, man, what happens if I fail? Well, my wife and I talked about that, and we know that this is now this is a bigger risk, but we know that we'll be able to get through it. I can go get another job doing something else. I can go get a job making more than I'm making right now, not what I was making before, and that's okay, but I can get a job making more than I'm making right now doing something else. So if this utterly crashes and burns and fails and it just does not work, then okay, I'll go try something else. I don't think it's going to end that way, though. I've got a pretty good feeling about this, but you have to take chances. And if you take chances, you might fail, and it's okay. Now, I mentioned before, I've had white belts and lower belts tap me out. And this actually makes me very happy. It makes me happy for two reasons. Because when they tap me out, I'm happy about their journey. It means that they recognized I made a mistake. When they first realized, the first time, they're like, wait a minute, he's leaving his arm behind, or he's doing this wrong, or he did that wrong. And they capitalize on it. And I'm happy for them because that means that they've recognized the mistake, means that their mind is starting to pick up on the information that we're giving them. And they were able to successfully execute the submission, which means that they're starting to finally get that muscle memory. And I think that's awesome. And I'm super happy about their journey that they're coming along. Because I remember the first time I tapped out a higher belt and it was like the greatest feeling in the world. You feel invincible. It's almost like, you know what? I'm done for the day. I'm packing up my stuff. It doesn't get better than this. I'm out. I'll see you guys at the next class. I'm super happy for their journey. And it comes back to that being humble thing, right? If I was not humble, if I had ego, that would destroy me. A white belt beat me. But I'm also happy because they taught me something. I learned about my own game. Now, I've said this to my students before in that I could smash a lot of people in there. But what do I learn? What do I get out of it? Going back to what do I have, what do I need? Very selfishly, I get nothing out of it if I just go in and smash everyone. I'm not learning anymore. But more importantly, they're not learning anything other than the fact that, yes, the brown belt can smash them. And especially if they're smaller, we've got a couple teenagers in the class that if I wanted, I could just smash the hell out of them. But what do they learn? They don't learn anything. They just learn, okay, the guy that's 42 years old that outweighs them by at least 60 pounds just destroyed them. Well, yeah, it doesn't do them any good either. So I'm happy that I'm learning about the mistakes I'm making. Tapping out often is fine because tapping out is not the end of the journey. Tapping out is just a minor blip. It's not even a milestone. It's just a minor blip on the path. It's a, not even a bump in the road. It's a little point of data. And you learn something and you move on. So be prepared to tap out often. It's okay. Go ahead and do it. No one's judging you. And here's the other thing. If they are judging you, fuck them. Because they're not the kind of people that you want around you. If all they're going to do is judge you because, oh, you tapped out. You're a loser. No, I'm not. Yeah, I tapped out today. Come see me in three years. See how far my journey has come. All right, number four, you get what you earn. One of the coolest things about the place where I train, it's called Semper Fi Mixed Martial Arts Academy. 
Our coach's name, our instructor's name is Julio Rosario. He's a retired Marine. Now, he's got a pretty awesome story to begin with because he grew up in Newark. He was a real bad kid. He was a real bad kid. He got in a lot of trouble and eventually got into some trouble in his 20s and then joined the Marine Corps, got straightened out. But he had started doing jujitsu. But he's an amazing guy. I'm proud to call him my coach. I'm proud to call him a friend. I think he's been an amazing influence on me. We're the same age, but, you know, mentors come in, in all shapes and sizes. They don't have to be older than you. But they had a saying, or they have a saying, and they have it on the back of their hoodies, and on T-shirts, is never given, always earned. And I think that's really important. Now, part of that was a marketing technique for them. I mean, it's a philosophy, to be sure, that he holds true to the philosophy. But part of it was a marketing technique, because there's a lot of martial arts schools out there that they just blast you through the belts because it's a money-making thing. That once you've been there for a certain amount of time, regardless of how many classes you've gone to, if you go to the test, if you go to the whatever, they're going to give you your belt because they want to keep you interested. They're going to advance you. Whereas in jiu-jitsu, that doesn't happen because you'll get found out. Jiu-jitsu is one of the few martial arts that has a, lo- has a lot of live sparring. Now, the cool thing about jiu-jitsu is that we can do that and not hurt each other because it's, it's actually very gentle. We're dealing with grappling, with submissions. Boxing is a similar sport and where you can have a lot of live sparring. Uh, Muay Thai is the same way. But I've also done other martial arts where it's very, very light sparring at best and it doesn't really, uh, it doesn't really replicate what a true fight would be like. And so I think that's actually a hole in the game. You need to be able to train that. But that's not what we're talking about here. You get what you earn. And what you learn in jiu-jitsu and what I've learned in life is that you are owed nothing. You're owed nothing in this life. This world owes you nothing. Now, this might sound very pessimistic and very nihilistic, and it's not. It's just the reality of it, right? We're owed nothing. Now, I understand human decency. Yes, we are owed human decency. I don't mean it at that level. What I do mean, though, is that if you walk into a gym, if you walk into a jiu-jitsu academy, and you have an expectation that you are owed something, that I've been here for a year and I should have my next belt, well, have you been here? Have you showed up? Have you been doing the drills? Have you been humble while you're here? Have you been actually progressing in your skills? Or have you been a bully and just muscling through everything because you're a bigger dude or you're a stronger dude or whatever? Yeah, you're not going to get promoted. You're not going to earn your stripes. You're not going to move up the ranks and you're not just going to learn. You're just not going to learn. You're owed nothing. Now, in real life, that's kind of hard, right? Because I would say that I probably had a pretty big sense of entitlement coming out of high school, coming out of college. and it was a rude awakening that I'm owed nothing. Now, I know some people naturally have this in them, and I'm really actually very, not jealous, envious of of that with them because they learned that very early on, and I find they actually work harder for that. But I think I was just brought up with this idea of, yeah, you go to high school, you get good grades, you go to college, you get good grades, and then you're given a job, and then you just work at that job. And Let's face it, that's just not the way it works. That's not how the world works. But jiu-jitsu will teach you that. Very quickly, you are owed nothing. In fact, when you walk in, the way that I've always said it is that in jiu-jitsu, shit rolls downhill. And you're at the bottom of that hill on day one. 
And everyone there has more knowledge than you, has more experience than you, has better technique than you. And you're just going to get shit rained down on you until someone new shows up. Then they're the new person at the bottom of that particular hill. And now you have a little bit more knowledge. Now, again, this is not a case of where ever I've encouraged people to just completely plow on new students. I hate that. There are schools that do that, and I absolutely loathe that particular approach to things. I don't think it's good. I don't think it's positive. But the person who first walks in, they don't have any knowledge, and they're going to feel very overwhelmed about it. But they also learn, I'm owed nothing. Wow, I don't know anything. The first time I walked in the class... I think I knew like how to do an arm bar and an ankle lock. And that's it. Nothing else. And I did okay, but actually, no, I didn't. I was terrible. And I loved it because it was like, wait a minute. I want to know what these guys know. I want to know what these people know around me. And I wanted to stick with it. And the sooner that I got to that point, and I got there really, really quick because I loved it. I fell in love the second I walked in there with this whole sport. The, the second that that happens, it was like life just gets easier. Because now it's like, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to earn it. So the same thing. You get what you earn in this life. You're owed nothing. Some people might have a bit of a more difficult journey. I get that. Those things are real. I don't ever want to take away from that. It just means you might have to work harder. Here's the other part of it. If you don't show up, you don't progress. Because we've had people who did not show up to class. Didn't matter what level they were. They just weren't showing up to class. And then we come to promotion time and they're not getting promoted. They get super upset. And our coach told them, you haven't been here. If you're not here, I'm not just going to hand you a promotion. You need to be here. Because it's not always just about what did I learn, it's about what did I teach. So here's probably the, the bigger point of the you get what you earn. If you don't show up, you don't progress anywhere in life. You need to be there doesn't matter what you want to do in your life. If I want to be a professional voiceover actor, if I want to be a professional voice actor and do this full time, I need to show up every single day. I need to do the homework that my narration coach gives me. I need to audition every day. I need to treat those auditions like they're my jobs and just try to blast every single one of them out of the park every single time. I need to make sure that I'm on my game with all of my clients. I need to make sure I take care of my voice. I need to make sure that I warm up. I need to make sure I do all of the things, practice, ask for feedback, save money so that way I can go and get more coaching so I can get my demos produced. I need to do all of these things every day because if I don't, I will not progress because I get what I earn. I cannot just show up and say, well, I've got a wonderful voice. You should all give me jobs. That's not how it works. That's not how life works. That's not how this industry works. I think I might have had a little bit of that attitude when I first started because I have been told I have a nice voice. Do you know how many people have been told they have a great voice and suck at voiceover and do nothing with it? It's so much more than that. And you know what? That's everything. It's everything in life. You need to show up. Whatever it is. So if you have that goal, oh, I want to go do this. I want to be a professional whatever. I want to be a chef. I want to own my own business. I want to get that promotion. I want to do a consulting gig. I want to do, I want to do, I want to do, I want to be an artist. It doesn't matter what those things are. If you don't show up, you won't progress. You need to show up every single day, which is how you get better. 
It might not feel like you're getting a lot better really quickly, and that's okay, because just showing up is going to reinforce the things that you already know. It's going to remind you of the things that you forgot. It's going to give you an opportunity to refine the skills that you have. You need to show up. It doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter how talented you are. I still show up to jujitsu as often as I can. Now, sometimes other jobs get in the way, and that's okay. I don't have the same obsession that I had when I first started, but I also don't have the same schedule that I had when I first started. But at every opportunity, I'm there. I need to be there because maybe I'll learn something a little bit new. I'll learn a new technique. By teaching something, maybe I pick up on something on my own game. But more importantly for me, I get an opportunity to bring these newer people, people who have not been training as long as me, along as well and try to invest in them some of the knowledge that I have. And by doing that, that's how I will progress. So, you get what you earn. Jiu-Jitsu pounds that into you. Number five. Jiu-Jitsu doesn't build character. It exposes it. I've mentioned before during this podcast about the amount of humility it takes to become successful in jiu-jitsu. And I've been telling my students this, I've been telling my friends this, that practice it with us, my teammates this a lot. Jiu-jitsu doesn't build character, it exposes it. Two tournaments ago, back in August, we had a tournament that we went to, and one of my teammates, Liz, was uh, an advanced white belt. And she was told that she didn't have anyone in her division in her weight class at this tournament. And she was offered the opportunity to either go into a lower weight division with other white belts, so this is where she would be outweighing them by a good 20 pounds, or she had the opportunity to stay in her weight class and roll with the blue belts the next level up as far as technique and skill. And she took the blue belt bracket, which was just awesome. She also got second place in that, so that says a lot too. Now, she was recently promoted, and at the tournament we were at last week, uh, the Good Fight in Philadelphia, the Tournament of Champions, she again was given the opportunity to either go with a blue belt division, which she's currently a blue belt, or to go with a white belt division. I forget the reasoning why that the tournament organizers were going that direction, but her immediate response was, no, it wouldn't be fair for me to go and roll with the white belts. I'm going to take on the blue belts. And she won that division. Now, the winning was awesome. I don't want to take away any of the fact that she won and she got second place in the one before. What was awesome to me was that she took every fight that was offered her and she never punched down. So we have another teammate on our team. She's 15. Tiny little thing. Really, really good at jujitsu. But she took every fight that was offered her too. And when she was doing her one division, she actually did like two different divisions against people that weighed more than her. And she, like, still meddled in all of those things. And then she got into another division, and she took on all comers, and she won gold in that division. This is what I mean about jujitsu doesn't build character, it exposes it. If you don't already have it inside you to take on the tough fights, to have the character to say, I'm not going to punch down just so I can win. If you don't already have that inside you, jujitsu isn't all of a sudden going to build that up in you. It's not all of a sudden going to appear because, oh, I've done Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I never like the idea that sports build character. They really don't. They expose character. They show us who we really are. And jiu-jitsu is awesome about this because you need to be humble. You need to lose the ego because if you don't, you don't last. We talked about before about tapping out. If you're not ready to tap out early and often, you're never going to go far. 
So jujitsu doesn't build character, it exposes it. So how does this really apply to real life? It's really about being self-aware. Who is the person that I really am? Who's the person that I really want to be? Jiu-Jitsu has helped bring this into focus for me. Now listen, we're always evolving, right? I'm not the person that I was when I was 15, when I was 20, when I was 30. We're going to grow, hopefully. We all know a few people that maybe haven't. They're still the same person we know in high school. But that aside, for the most part, we grow, we develop, we evolve over time. And I will tell you that the person who I wanted to be, the person who I am right now, who I'm actually kind of happy with right now, I was not happy with the person I was five, six, seven years ago, 10 years ago. I was not a happy person. I wasn't being true to myself. There was a lot of things I wanted to do and I just wasn't doing. Or there's things that maybe I should not have been doing. I was moving too fast. I was chasing the wrong things, whatever it was. And I really truly believe that jujitsu has helped expose who I really am and helped me build up for myself that person who I want to be. That person has always been there. Jiu-Jitsu just offered me one particular tool, one particular road to get there. And there is not an end point because the end point, the only end point all of us have is death, right? We're all going to die one day, not to get morbid or anything. So knowing that that is the only end point we will ever face universally as the human race, enjoy the journey, right? This has been the awesome part of this sport is that it's really shown me, I think, who I am and who I want to be and who I can be. I really think after coaching at this last tournament, it really brought into very, very fine focus the kind of person that I want to be and maybe even the kind of person I'm on my way to be. So how do we take this into a more universal thing? It really comes down to self-awareness. Who is the person that you truly are? And are you being that person? Are the actions you're taking daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, are these the things that are bringing you closer to being that person? And if they're not, why are you doing the things that are not making you happy? Why are you continuing to show up to a job every single day that you hate, that you detest, that you just just wrecks your soul? Why are you continuing to do this and not taking steps to do something better? It's becoming self-aware. I have a different calibration now. That's the self-awareness, right? That's the, that's the character that I'm exposing in myself, that I didn't really need all these things that I thought I needed. Try to find that center in yourself. Try to find that self-awareness that says, who is the person I really am? Try to expose that to the fresh air. Expose that to fresh air and just get a better idea and you're going to be happier. You're going to be happier if you're being true to yourself. All right, number six, drillers make killers. Yeah, this is something that our coach Julio says a lot. Drillers make killers. He focuses endlessly on drilling techniques. And this is a good thing because that means that you're going to have that arm bar down. It means you're going to have that hip escape down. It means you're going to have that guard pass down, that takedown. You're going to have all of these things down to a T. You're going to have it down so well in the muscle memory that you just, are going to be awesome at that. We've got a guy that we train with right now, and it's really impressive. He is a white belt or an advanced white belt, a white blue belt, and he's just getting started on his journey. But I will tell you that his escape, when someone's trying to armbar him and he's got an escape from that, that he is able to hit off so smoothly 
and so quickly, because remember, slow is smooth, smooth is fast. His technique is done so perfect that you cannot armbar this dude. You just cannot. He flies out of this, and it's technically perfect when he does it. It's amazing to watch because he has drilled it endlessly. Now, on a parallel to this, one of the books I narrated by an author named Shami Stovall, she's the author of The Frith Chronicles, and I've narrated the first two books of the series, Nightmare Arcanist and the most recent one, Dread Pirate Arcanist. And in that second book, she had one of the characters say this, and it absolutely stuck in my mind as one of the most profound things I've ever heard. Don't practice until you get it right. Practice until you can't get it wrong. That, like, blew my mind. It blew my mind when I heard that. And it fits into that drillers make killers. We want to practice these things until you can't get them wrong. This is the same thing with my voiceover work. I need to practice so much. These little things that I need to do, I need to practice them so much, whether it's making sure my accent doesn't come through, making sure I'm using the correct versions of the and the, and yes, there are correct versions of the and the, making sure I'm using the correct versions of to and to, for and fur, little things like that, pauses when I'm narrating things, getting my voices together, doing my character voices, practicing these things until they are second nature. I don't even need to think about them because I'm just doing them. Because when I do that, that is going to make me more successful because I will be able to do better at auditions. I will be able to give better reads for clients. I will be more impressive for casting directors. If you want to be awesome at something, if you really want to be successful, you need to be able to get to the point where you know you can just do it. It doesn't mean that you're going to do it right every time. We talked about tapping out, right? And if you look at artists, they're constantly erasing and trying things different and all that. But ultimately, they have their technique down that if you said, okay, I need you to draw this, they can draw this. If someone needs to sing something, they could go in and they can sing it. For a voice actor, I need to be able to speak properly in the right tones and direction and all that all the time. Drillers make killers. i have really taken this to heart. I've got homework I'm going to be doing when I'm done recording this that I really need to get done because I want to have this happen. I want to do this and I have that, that drive in me and I need to keep drilling. So don't practice until you get it right. Practice until you can't get it wrong. If you make this a philosophy for getting better at something, practice, practice, practice. It doesn't matter if you're going to be a social media manager, a writer, any of these things. Practice. Practice will get you to where you want to be. All right, number seven, you can't out-train a bad diet. It just doesn't happen. It does not matter how often you go to the gym. It does not matter how often I go and roll, how often I drill, how often I do all the things. If my diet sucks, it's going to cause problems. It doesn't matter how many times I'm hitting the mats. It doesn't matter how many rounds I do, because if the second I'm done, I'm rolling out to Wawa and grabbing an enormous hoagie and mozzarella sticks and soda and chips, and that's what I'm doing every time, that's going to counteract everything that I've done. We can take this diet idea and actually move it into the real world. What is your social media diet? What is your people diet? What is your thought diet? 
What are the things that you're consuming and the things you have around you in your life? Because even if you have all of the best intentions in the world, even if you have this incredible drive to be successful at whatever it is that you want to do, if I were to surround myself with people who were doing nothing but telling me that I couldn't do it, that were just negative people, just toxic people in my life, if I, if I only had them in my life, if I was surrounding myself in social media and comparing myself to everyone there, now listen, I consume social media, but social is a fake little world, right? We're not seeing the process. We're not, for the most part, we're not seeing the journey and the mistakes. We're seeing just the good polished jewel end part that people want us to see. If that were all I were seeing, I'm comparing myself to them. And I used to do this. I used to do this constantly. I would think that everyone was happier than me. And I had toxic people in my life. And they made me feel terrible about myself. Because all they did was criticize and point out everything that I've done wrong. And just were not good people to be around. And like my thought diet. What were the thoughts I were filling my head with? It was all this negative self-talk. You can't do it. You suck. You're not good at this. You don't deserve happiness. And I had to change my diet. And I was changing my perspective on, you know, I can't compare myself to them. I can't compare myself to the voice actor who's been doing this for 10 years and being like, well, I want that and I don't have it yet. No, my God, I suck. I'm terrible. No, they've been doing it for 10 years. I can get there. But I need to work for it. Because I'm just seeing where they are in their journey now. And if I'm seeing people that are happy on social media, I'm just going to be happy that they're happy. I'm not going to compare myself to them anymore. I don't need to. I changed my thought process on that. I got rid of the toxic people in my life. I had one guy in my life that was, oh my Lord, I, I could not have a conversation with him without him criticizing me, telling me that I was wrong about something, about why my opinions were wrong, about how all the mistakes I was making. It was just terrible. And I finally was like, you know what? I'm cutting this cancer out. I'm done. I don't need that in my life. I changed my thought diet. I did this, well, through a few different ways. I started go I went back to therapy, which was really important. I also started ADD medication. And I found out that ADD is tied to depression. By changing my diet, changing my social media diet, changing my people diet, changing my thought diet, my happiness went through the roof. My joy went through the roof. I'm enjoying this process now. Think about that. You can't out-train a bad diet. If you've got a diet of bad people, of bad social media habits, of bad thoughts, of bad deeds, whatever it is, you're never going to be able to outrun that. It's always going to be there. And until you change that diet, it's going to be dragging you down. It's going to be a cinder block around your neck day in and day out. And I don't want to make it seem like it's just easy. Oh, just do it. That's one way to do it. It might take you some time. But be aware of it first. And then start working on how you're going to change that diet one piece at a time. And here's the other thing about a diet, right? We have our diet, we're trying to lose weight, whatever. And then boom, we have that one day where we just fall off the wagon and you eat the entire thing of Oreos. We've all done it. It just means you tapped out. See what I did there? Brought it back. It just means you tapped out. It's not the end of the journey. It's just, okay, I tapped out today. Tomorrow, I'm not going to do that again. And you start over and it's okay. But you got to change your diet. So remember, you can't out-train a bad diet. That means what you eat. It also means what you consume mentally and emotionally.
Number eight, we're getting there. Number eight is compete. I truly believe that competing in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is super, super important. Not because I want to see people win, because I think just the experience is a really important part of the journey. My coach, Julio, feels the same way. He actually has made it a requirement to move from blue belt, or excuse me, to move from white belt to blue belt. You have to compete at least once. You don't have to win. You have to compete. And what does this do for jiu-jitsu? Well, it puts you into an alien environment. It gets real easy to get comfortable with the people you're around. You know their tricks. They know your tricks. You're able to get into a comfort zone. And it's tough to truly push yourself with people that you know to go onto the mats in a situation where you don't know who you're rolling against and where there is something, not much, but there is something on the line. It changes the pressure. It changes the stress. It changes the mentality. And ultimately, everyone I know that's competed, or almost everyone I know that's competed, has come out on the other side better for it. They have a new appreciation for what it is that we do. And quite often, they get bit by the bug, and they're like, I want to do that again. Now, how does this translate into real life? Well, I think it's, it's basically setting yourself a goal. It's setting myself a goal, in my case, and training to get there because you can't compete in a jiu-jitsu tournament and just show up. You really do need to train. You need to do extra cardio. You need to get extra sessions in, extra rounds. You need to drill a little bit more. You need to elevate your game. In real life, it's the same thing. If I set a goal for myself, it's easier for me to say, okay, this is my goal. Now I'm going to have to elevate my game. I need to train specifically for this rather than just do the normal drilling I would do on a daily basis. So a goal could be that I want to narrate X number of books by the end of 2020. Well, to do that, I now can set up a training schedule for myself to start aiming towards that. You know, it might need to be a little bit more ambiguous than just, I'm going to go compete. But competing is going to be, and voiceover, really, it's competition every day. It's going out and auditioning every single day. Now, the other thing about this is testing yourself. It's putting yourself out there. I could sit there and practice and talk into this booth all day long and really not try to do anything with voiceover, but I'm never really finding out, is this what I want to do? Testing myself by going out and auditioning, by talking to narration coaches, to commercial coaches, to whoever, putting that stuff out there is how I'm going to find out where I am at my skill level. An example of this would be this last weekend when I competed and I had to roll with people who outweighed me by at least 20 pounds and they were all 20 years younger than me. And they kicked my ass. All of them. I tested myself. I don't think I'm any less of a brown belt. I do think I'm a lot older than them. And my body is just telling me no more competition for you. Part of it is a self-awareness thing. But you should go out and test yourself just to see, can I still do this? Winning doesn't matter in the long game. It doesn't matter if I lose this audition, if I don't get this job. Ultimately, if I keep at it, in the macro, I will win. That's what I'm looking at right now. I'm looking at the long game here. You lost the sale. You didn't get the one job. Winning right now is not going to affect the long game if you're playing the long game. But you should be going out there and testing yourself periodically. Find a way to compete. Put yourself out there. Don't worry about the outcome. That's not what's important. What's important is the journey and getting there. And just having some self-awareness about where you are and how you feel when you're done. And about learning. And about elevating your game. 
All right, this is it. Number nine, the final lesson that jujitsu can bring to learning about getting yourself to a joyful place. And I was mentioning it before, play the long game. Now, I can take this micro and macro in jiu-jitsu. In micro, it's cardio, playing the long game. If I blast out explosively right from the beginning of my match when I start sparring with someone, and I'm going a mile a minute, and I'm going, and I'm flying, I'm trying to blah, 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 I'm going to run out of gas. If I know I've got a five-minute match, or in my case, if I'm going to a tournament, it would be a 10-minute match. But when we're practicing, it's four to five minutes that we're usually rolling. And we get these white belts and they go 3,000 miles an hour. And all I do is wait. Because no matter how good their cardio is, unless they're a professional athlete, which most of them aren't, in fact, all of them aren't, within a minute, minute and a half, they gas out. And I'm fresh as a daisy. And I can just go to town. So part of it is playing the long game. Realizing that I need to know how long I'm going to be doing this and not blasting out right away. I need to pace myself. I need to know what the full scope of whatever project is that I'm doing. So on the micro, it's, yeah, do I need to win right now? Do I need to fly at things right now? Or can I take my time? I mentioned before, when I started this voiceover thing, I was going 3,672 miles an hour, and I was leaving brine-shaped holes in every wall and door I met. And all I was doing was bruising and bloodying myself and creating repair projects if we want to continue that metaphor even further. I was not doing as much as I could to advance my VO career because I was moving too quickly. I wasn't moving slow enough. I wasn't paying attention to how long this round needed to last. I wasn't paying attention to how many rounds I was going to need to go. And eventually that caught up with me. And then I was like, crap, I need to slow down. And that's when I started saying, all right, I'm going to save up. I'm going to get my coaching to get my demos. I'm going to do this the right way because I don't need to be successful. I don't need to get the win right now. I can get the win next year. I can get the win two years from now. What is the win? The win, the most immediate win, is doing this full time. But I need to pace myself. I still need to move with intensity. I need to move with intent. We're talking for the long game, the cardio of how long is my round. Know how many rounds, know how long the rounds are, and be ready for that and pace yourself. Now, in the macro for jujitsu, we need to look at the learning curve. The majority of people that do jujitsu that quit will quit at blue belt. If they make it out of their first month or two, they quit when they get to blue belt, which is about two years in. Now, I have a hypothesis about this. It's because from white to blue belt, the volume of what you're learning is tremendous. You're going from zero of zero knowledge about how to do any of these things, these submissions, these passes, these takedowns, these defenses, all of this stuff. You're going from zero to, wow, I know a lot in the course of about two years. So that knowledge volume is very steep. And then when you get to Blue Belt, it starts to level off. Because we've already built the foundation now. Now we're dealing with the smaller details. Now we're dealing with much smaller things with, are your feet in the right place? Are your knees in the right place? Are you, you know, where's your grip on this? Where's your body weight on this? Shift over here a little bit. And it's very small things. And the further advanced you get in this, the, the, the more level that learning curve, that learning volume curve levels off because we're dealing with smaller and smaller details and we're having fewer and fewer revelatory moments. The longer you do jujitsu, 
the less that happens because you've already learned it. And I think that that's why most blue belts quit because they feel like, man, I'm not learning anything anymore. And they're just like, well, I'm just going to stop. And it's the absolute worst time to stop because you're just getting going. And that's what I mean by playing the long game, right? It's looking at the overall knowledge curve, looking at the overall journey that you're going to be taking over your lifetime. Now, I'm 41, going to be 42. It is very likely that unless something untoward happens to me, that I have at least one more lifetime to go. I might have one and a half more lifetimes to go. If you're 20, man, you've got four, at least four more lifetimes to go, right? Different perspective on this. I have to play the long game. And for the longest time, I was not playing the long game. I was thinking, I need to have certain things done by the time I'm 30. I need to have certain things done by the time I'm 40. Man, I'm 35 and I haven't done this yet. Man, I suck. I'm terrible, blah, blah. And I was constantly playing the short game. I was chasing the wrong things. I wasn't looking at my long-term happiness. I wanted these things right now. And because of that, I jumped jobs a lot. I didn't have patience at jobs. I didn't take the time to learn the things that I wanted to learn or that I should have learned to be successful in those jobs. Or if I want to get even more practical with it or even more, hey, let's go back in the way back machine, I started pursuing the wrong things entirely. And I should not have even been doing these jobs because I didn't want to do them. These weren't things that I wanted to do. I wanted to do stuff like this. I wanted to do creative stuff in post-production and video editing. I wanted to make movies. I like doing sounds with my mouth and doing the voices now. These are the things I should have been pursuing, but I was not playing the long game. I was thinking of where I needed to be by 25, by 30, what I thought people wanted, what I thought I wanted. So I've changed my perspective. I'm playing the long game now. I know that in the long term, yeah, I need to save for retirement and all that, but I also know I've got time. It doesn't need to happen right now. I could take the time to do the things that I need to do to make sure that I'm creating maximum happiness and joy for myself and for my wife. Jiu-Jitsu has taught me that. It's taught me how to pace myself in the short term and in the long term. When you're trying to pursue your career bliss, you don't need to have it happen right now. Think of the long term. Do you need to quit your job right now and move on to that other thing and immediately be successful? Well, if you're playing the short game, that's what's going to need to happen with you because you're going to quit your job. You're going to go to the new one. And if it's not successful right away in trying to pursue this new career and starting a new business or a consultancy or just a completely different career path, and you're not immediately successful with it, you're going to have a lot of pressure on yourself because you're sprinting. You're going too fast in the first minute of the first round. You've got four more minutes in your round and you've got three or four more rounds that you have to go. You have to play the long game. So those were the nine lessons that Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu can teach about pursuing joy. I genuinely hope that at least one of these points resonated with you. I hope that something there, if you're out there looking for a way to be happy at work, a way to be happy in your career, I hope that at least one of those points resonated with you and maybe will help you on your next step. I would say if you have the opportunity, please go find a jiu-jitsu gym near you and go give it a shot. I think you might love it. I don't know. 
I'd say give it a shot. You might find a brand new obsession. And believe me, it's really easy to get obsessed with this sport. But go ahead and give that a shot. But more importantly, I hope that something here is really going to help you. If there's anything I could do to help you out with this, if you've got questions about it, I'm going to post all of this on my website and on LinkedIn. So that way you have a little, if you want to just reference this stuff in the show notes. If you have any questions about this, please feel free to reach out to me. You can reach out to me on Twitter at the Saint Brian, the same handle for Instagram. You can also reach me through my website, brian-wiggins.com. And I would love to hear from you. What are the things that maybe your obsession in life, because Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is a bit of an obsession with mine, but is there an activity that you have, a hobby, a pursuit, a passion that you have that you've been able to learn something? Please share that with me. Share that with me on Twitter or on Instagram. Let me know. Tag me. I'd love to hear what that is. If you are so inclined, I do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash brianwigginsvo. And you can join my Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. That would get you early access to podcasts, to other things. I've got some other cool little things on there, I think. But you're under no obligation to. I'm going to be sending this stuff out no matter what. If you just want to get it a day or two early, that's on you. But thank you very much. Go out there, pursue your joy, and remember, it's a long journey. Have fun with it.